0: Welcome, and thank you for listening to the New Day Podcast. We are located in South Kansas City, proclaiming the good news of God's grace to our region and abroad. If you'd like more information, please visit our website, newdaykc.org. In this letter to the church, and it's really really interesting, as I looked at it more, there's some discussion that this may have been written to the church in Persia. So Mansour would have liked that, to know the knowledge of that. But whoever he was writing it to, it included all the church, and then the church that he was at, which was in Ephesus, and how he viewed those things there. An old man, granted, he was in his 90s. Some think around 95, uh, because they, they have a framework of when it was written because of the destruction... Of the temple in Jerusalem, and at the time of the writing, so that they're very sure of. So, in doing this, he lays out, and I want to kind of summarize to bring everybody up to speed. He lays out, if you will, circles of thought that lay one on another. So he doesn't; he's not doing a didactic teaching. He's kind of, if you really, uh, if you understand different methods of teaching and everything. He is layering this, but it's on purpose. One thing for him, as he says something, and if you've ever done public speaking, he goes, oh, and this, and he layers another part of it, and layers another part of it. But the primary theme through the whole thing is how we are now, and and he goes back and touches his own past uh, of remembering Jesus in the flesh but he doesn't know him that way anymore just like Paul wrote he said we don't know Christ after the flesh anymore we know him by the spirit and so John's doing that he's connecting the two things and he says but we're to experience eternal life in our everyday living that we don't live lives in a temporal way Now, often that gets, uh, the instruction of it gets put across as not living in the flesh. But it means so much more than that. This doesn't have to do with the denial of something or uh, you defeating something in your life. This is about embracing the Spirit of God who's brought you eternal life. So it actually, I was going, oh, I'm not really doing Christmas messages. And then I went, oh, yes, I am. Oh, yes, I am. This is the Christmas message. This eternal life that was brought to God came through a little baby. It's just, it's the most stunning story. Thinking about the shepherds this morning, I'm so grateful that we sang some Christmas carols. And I just want to say thank you to the worship team. Can you imagine, if you will, now this is a, I, I love reading, and reading was my primary, uh, means of survival as a as a child and i've loved reading for a long time so uh and then later learning uh how to read and and becoming a literary literature major literary major a literature major in college and there was this one book that i had to read that was by uh oh. I can only think of his first name, which was Aldus. So anyway, he wrote this book on how to read a book. And it became a classic for for literature majors. And you learn how to read a book. And one of the ways of learning how to read a book is not only know what the main theme is and how to how to follow that and do that, but to place yourself in the book, to place yourself within it and in the framework of it. I want to encourage you as you're participating and engaging in eternal life as we go through these studies. You do that with the Christmas story right now. See yourself there. Uh, Many of you play acted when you were little in church and you were the one of the shepherds. If you were a boy or maybe you were the girl and got to play Mary or uh, you were an angel. Who got to be an angel? Yeah. Billy Graham did a whole series on that. Yes, angels. And I can remember him saying it that way. Put yourself back in that story. Beckon and hear John as he's sharing with the church in in this way, you know, that which we saw, that which we heard. Go there. I'm not talking about fantasy. Go there in your heart and see the shepherds Uh, You know, and it's hard because of the realities that we live in today. We have light pollution, so our dark really isn't dark. Can you imagine being out in complete darkness and having the sky light up and hear voices? And you have nothing to relate it to. It must have scared the wits out of them. And yet it was such a glorious proclamation and here's the stunning thing, they obeyed. You know, so many people have an experience that they don't obey it and aren't stunned by it. And, and especially in, I don't know, maybe it's because we have those things called smartphones or whatever, but we're not that. But they were. Let yourself go there as you read this Christmas story. and I think it'll really become meaningful in your Christian experience. And that's what First John is about. So last week we were talking about becoming aware of that and how, let me catch you up, so that was our studies, how we practice eternal life. Almost every believer that I know, I'm doing a short summary here so we can gather in, Ephesians 4.1, we all long for this. Now, we've navigated this, each of us, probably in different ways. But I've never known a believer who didn't take this to heart. And one of the things they had as a motivation in their life as a Christian was to live a life worthy of the calling. To live a life pleasing to God. I wanted, I mean, if I asked each one of you, isn't that the deep desire of your heart? To know that he's pleased with you? Well, I have an answer for you this morning. He is. Not because of what you think or do or act upon or even behave like. But he is pleased with you because of his son who dwells in you. He's very pleased and he never stopped being pleased with his son. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Now who lives in you? Connect the dots. Jesus lives in you. So if he's pleased with his son, what is going to be the effect of, last week we talked about this, about the eternal seed that was planted in you as an experience. that We're to experience that here. An eternal seed that was placed into me that is producing life. That is there. That has not escaped you and not left you and not gone away. So The problem is, is what we've often been taught, the means of that is to do two things. Guard ourselves, this is what we did last week, against the sins of the flesh, which we cannot seem to accomplish. Have you noticed that? I have so guarded myself. I I did everything, every prayer from putting angels round about my property. If you do that, I have nothing against that. But I did all kinds of stuff to guard against the sins of the flesh, and the more I focused on it, the more I saw the sins of the flesh. I was so sin conscious that I was aware of my lack of living pleasing to God. When in truth, because of the new covenant, he is so well pleased with me. Does he ever become displeased with you? I'm sure that uh, there's been times when... I grieved my own heart we're going to explore this later but if Christ is in you that penalty has been paid for well you're just saying blow it off and don't care that's not what I'm saying at all I'm saying to become righteous conscious of who dwells in you that it moves you from being sin conscious and living in a because this was much of my Christian experience I actually, not realizing it, I worshiped repentance. Repentance, if you will, in many forms, not all of them, but in many forms and fashion until I came to an understanding of the new covenant and what it really meant, repentance was a form of worship for me because I had lots to repent of and if I didn't, I surely had missed something and so last week I shared about the carte blanche prayers that I prayed at night. You know, oh God, oh God, oh God, if there was anything I did today that was wrong, please forgive me. And if there was something I didn't do that I was supposed to, forgive me. I mean, I had the basis covered. And then I would wake up in the morning and still feel, eh, get through another day of experiencing life. And it was just a... a My spirituality was a constant prep to my flesh to try and do something to show myself approved. Now maybe you haven't lived that way, but I will tell you that this, that that is not the experience that John's writing about. John's writing about an experience in which we become righteous conscious. The way we become righteous conscious, and I I closed it with a prayer that I used for four years of my life. Now, well, wasn't that you doing it? Yes, I had to come to a place where I wasn't telling God that I knew something, but instead I was coming to a place of agreement with what he knew. There were times when I thought I knew it, thought I had it, thought I understood it, yeah, I got that. When other people tell you, you know, and you go back to the thing, you're saved by grace through faith. And you go, yeah, I know that. Even with that one, even if you believe that with all your heart, the way you respond to it, becoming righteous conscious, is to say yes to it. Not check it off on a list of spiritual things. I uh, got that one, God. And do your check mark. But instead, going back and go, oh, yes. The New Covenant promises are better promises, and they are yes and amen. It's not God that's saying yes to the promises. He knows what he's promised. It's already fulfilled in Christ. Where does the yes need to happen? In my heart and coming out of my mouth, my right confession, declaring that I am what the Word of God describes me as. I am exactly who Jesus says I am. I am always accepted in the Beloved. The Beloved is Christ, and I am accepted in Him. I'm not trying to get there. I am there. When I start saying yes to Him, righteousness and eternal life, which is from God, starts expanding and that eternal seed, starts bearing fruit. Another way of saying this is abiding in what God says. Abiding in Jesus, in the Spirit. This is really good news. This is the Christmas story tied up with a bow and lots of flashes going off. Because it means that I don't have to strive after the flesh to become something. I am something. I already am an eternal being in Jesus. Look at Romans 5, because we didn't get to this last week. I just want to read it to you and let it penetrate in. Where you find you don't understand something here, do this. Say, yes. Is that a word game? No, it's not a word game. When I was first going through this, and I, I, I followed a, a very prominent teacher today that's a, a wonderful teacher, still following him, and that's Andrew Farley. He's written many, many good books and is an incredible teacher. Don't necessarily agree with 100%, but 98 or 99.99% of the stuff he says I agree with. And uh, that's rare for me with a writer. But he said this. I went to, so after I started exploring what the new covenant was, I went down to a conference in Oklahoma that he, he was a speaker at. And I can't even remember what else he taught on. He taught, he taught on the new covenant. But he said something. He said, when you don't understand something that you're reading in the word of God, read it real slow. <laughs> and I went, What? he said, and read it out loud to yourself. He said, and keep doing that because understand it because the word is able to penetrate in and we start experiencing and having understanding of what we're reading. The more we associate ourselves to it, saying yes to how God views you will change your experiential life in Christ to the means that uh, the, the word abiding becomes much different. That my view of how I abide in who God is, is believing it. This is what righteousness consciousness was designed to do and for us to see. He says in, Paul says in Romans 5, but the free gift is not like the offense. So he's talked about what happened through the first Adam and and what happened in the garden. For if by one man's offense many died, much more the grace of God and the gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abounded to many. And the gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned, for the judgment which came from the one offense resulted in condemnation. But the free gift which came from many excuse me, but the free gift which came from uh, many offenses resulted in justification. Now there's a switch here. Let me see something. When I'm sin conscious, the operation is condemnation. When, when I'm confessing sin, I'm positioning myself to be condemned. When I acknowledge that my sin was under what He did, I become righteous conscious and I beco- and now the focus moves from condemnation to justification. To be justified means to have right standing with God. What does that mean in everyday language? If you're in Christ, you're okay. (laughs) Matter of fact, you're better than okay. You have all the promises of God, you just haven't learned to say yes and amen to them. When I practice being righteous, conscious, I am on a continual journey of saying yes and amen to everything Jesus accomplished. It was such a change for me because one was working to defeat my flesh and the other worked to extol the covenant of God within me and to release me into new life. It's it's really very doable. So let me keep reading. but from many offenses resulting in justification, verse 17, for if by the one man's offense death reigned through the one, much more those who receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. When you don't feel like you're reigning, it's not an issue of that there's something wrong with you and God. If you're not feeling like you're reigning, you're not saying yes to all of his promises to you. There is a simple solution here, and I want to invite you this morning learn to say yes to God. Learn to say yes to him. How he views you is it magic? No, it's spirit and it's life. And John said, it's light that comes into us. That which we saw and heard and handled concerning the word of life has now come into us to give us in an everyday experience eternal life. When the boss is mad at you, when you're mad at the employee, when things aren't going right, when things are going fantastic, that needle that doesn't move but we mistake how God has seen us. We've, we've traded the ability to be righteous, conscious, for an obligation in our lives that we live a sinless life. That's not what John talks about. It's not what he talks about at all. Well, should you not confess sin ever? Yeah, you should talk to the Lord about it, but not to get right with God. It's to have your conscience sprinkled with blood to remember what he has done. So therefore it moves from the needle of now I'm going to repent and now I'm okay because I've repented and made a commitment and a promise to show how sincere I am that I'm going to change knowing next week the same thing is probably going to come up and I'm going to stumble again. And so I stumble through life over and over again, and I haven't learned how to live in the Spirit. Living in the Spirit is believing and saying yes to every promise of God over your life and seeing yourself as God sees you. If God sees you as righteous, are you righteous? Because, see, that, that's what's really hard for believers, well, I'm, I'm righteous in, when I'm in eternity. I'll be a righteous person. It's, I'm literally a righteous person now. God, God made him who did not know sin to become sin that we might be what? The righteousness of God. That I have a gift here that I don't have to organize. I don't have to negotiate. I don't have to cut a deal, and I don't have to make promises over the future. I receive it by going, yes, you were raised from the dead for my justification. I receive it as a free gift. Keep reading. Therefore, verse 18, as through one man's offense, judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation, even so, through one man's righteous act, he's speaking of Jesus, the free gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life. What life? All life. Your life. This life. Right now. Yesterday. Today. Tomorrow. He's done an amazing thing. I can actually practice eternal life living in it right now. For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so also by one man's obedience many will be made righteous. All who receive Christ are made righteous. They're not growing in it. They are righteous. They're not becoming something; they are something. Is there a trick? It's not a trick. It's the word of agreement to become righteous, conscious. That's why I, I shared that, that thing that I wrote out about how I can conf- my confession. I moved my confession with how far away I was to how close I am in Christ. And so I put it up there again last week. When I start believing this, I'm actually doing something. I'm living by faith. Remember what Paul wrote in Galatians 2. It's no longer I that live, but Christ that lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith where? in the son of God God has done something in me that changes my everyday experience that I don't have to set a (laughs) time this isn't any condemnation because if you have a a regular disciplined, devotional life praise God I did that for a long time too and it's wonderful and I still do it only it's much different now I believe I'm in him all the time I don't stop and do something. I don't stop and pray. I pray. I don't go to the secret place. I am the secret place. I don't find him far away and distant. I find him with me. What about if you did something wrong? Right there with me. Not condemning me, but leading me into righteousness for his name's sake. Because his name dwells in me. And it's such a different experience to actually experience a righteous life. And that's what 1 John is writing about. That this is the message, he says, eternal life. I can practice eternal life. How do I do that? Well, last week we did the paradox of confession and, and righteous consciousness and all that. I want to read something to you this morning. This is from The Cure. And it's one of the most profound things that affected my life. Because by it, I started to move into, instead of t- telling God how far away I was, I started to learn to say yes to Him. Because this is God's view. And they, they, uh, they John in, in the book The Cure writes this about God and how he views your life. And it's titled, it may, be, it may Feel Like a Gamble to You, but to God, it's no gamble. God has shown all of his cards. He's not, not hiding something. Revealing breathtaking protection. He says, in essence, what if I tell them who they now are? What if I take away any element of fear? What if I tell them I will always love them, that I love them right now as much as I love my only son? What if I tell them that there are no logs of past offenses, of how little they pray or how often they've let me down? What if I tell them that they are actually righteous right now? What if I tell them I'm crazy about them? I love that. What if I tell them that I'm their Savior and they're going to heaven no matter what? It's, it's a done deal. What if I tell them they have a new nature, that they are saints, not saved sinners? What if I tell them that I actually live in them now, my love, power, and nature at their disposal? This is stunning. What if I tell them they don't have to put on masks? That they don't need to pretend we're close? What if they knew that when they mess up, I'll never retaliate? What if they were convinced bad circumstances aren't my way of evening the score? What if they knew the basis of our friendship isn't how little they sin, but how much they allow me to love them? What if they tell them they can hurt my heart, but I'll never hurt theirs? What if I tell them they can open their eyes when they pray and still go to heaven? What if I tell them there's no secret agenda, no trap door? What if I tell them it isn't about their self-effort, but about allowing me to live my life through them? Jesus living his life as you. This is a stunning concept. Do you know what this is called? The gospel. This is the, this is the gospel. Straight out. No additives. No preservatives. No additions, no subtractions. This is what he did, and it's a free gift. And how do I get that free gift? You say yes to it. Where does faith get involved? Faith gets involved because you say yes to it. That's what faith is all about. Let me get to the next slide. We looked at that uh, last verse. For the wages of sin is what? Death. We did this last week. But the gift of God is eternal life. So here, let me connect dots for you again. you got two incredible gifts. you got a gift of righteousness, and you got a gift that says it will never go away. You have it now, an eternal life of knowing Jesus my Lord. Righteousness is not something we strive to accomplish. It is something we believe and receive. It is a gift. What then do I put my efforts into? Into my believing. That's faith. And it really is. That's faith. That that is the substance of the things looked for. The evidence of things not seen. Look at Hebrews 11.5. By faith, it's speaking of, of different characters from the past, and Hebrews 11 does that, takes each one individually. By faith Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death, and was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken he had this testimony that he pleased God. This is before even the covenant of the law. This is before the Abrahamic covenant of promise and grace, this is the promise of the creation aspect that he had this testimony that he pleased God. But what did he do? But without faith, it's impossible to please him. So he's laying out a, a particular thing here that we can actually center in and engage with eternal life on. For he who comes to God must do what? What? Repent. Declare. What am I to do here? I'm supposed to believe that God is. Do you believe that God is? I do. No, there, there's a trap door. There's some. Can't be this easy. Oh yeah. I believe that God is and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Okay, so then I have to, if I'm not diligently seeking him. No, what he's saying is if you believe that God is, there's a reward that keeps unfolding. And the more you explore it and know what that reward is, (laughs) the more pleasure that you are going to experience in your walk with God. To have a walk fully pleasing unto him is to walk by faith you've done it all. You did it for me. There's nothing I can do to add to it. There's nothing I could do that takes it away. Martin Lloyd-Jones called this assurance of faith. Paul wrote it this way, I know whom I have believed in and I'm persuaded that he is able to keep that which I committed to him against that day. What did I commit to it? To let him live his life in me. Stunning. We we should be like the shepherds when we hear this. We should be be going, let us go then and see this marvelous thing. Well, look inside. Go to the mirror. It's a marvelous thing that God has done. That Lloyd should be called righteous on the earth. And that all I have to do is say yes. Yes. So I want to close by sharing a personal experience. I've had a lot of deep, deep experiences with God. Some I share more than others. Some I only share with Brenda because they're private. Some I only share with Jesus because they're private. And I'm I'm the delight of his heart, so. Uh, And I'm absolutely convinced of it. I have that assurance. As I was beginning to explore this early on, this happened in like uh, 2011, uh, in February of 2011, and I had an experience as I started to explore really, we called it back then the message of grace, what I understood it to be now is living in the new covenant. Is it the message of grace? Yes, grace is the operating system, but new covenant is the system that it operates through. And... Uh, and getting to know God has to do with that. He needed to get something into me. So I had done a message at New Day Church on a Sunday, and it was about the grace of God and the different acts of grace that we go through. And uh, I had several people, even one of the people who was very close to me in leadership, said to me after the ser- service, You just took a left turn without signaling. I said what? He said I don't know if I'm going there with you, buddy. And uh, he, and he wanted to explore it more, and we did. But I went home. That said, I had a great day off on a Monday night, and it was the fifteenth. It turned from the fourteenth on my day off to the fifteenth to Tuesday, and that night I had suffered for uh, several years. Uh, a debilitating foot thing in which the joint in my in my right foot, the big toe, wore out. It disintegrated. It had a bone spur and it chipped, and it got in there and worked like a sawtooth and ground it up. And so I had walked, you know, try and go. What's what's the learning I'm supposed to get from that God? Because my I had two surgeries. Um, neither of them worked well so we're talking about several year period here and I walked in pain every day every day I would come home my foot was swollen up and it felt like I was walking on needles and that was after the second surgery in which they put an artificial joint in I thought about all the spiritual meanings of it and couldn't come up with anything I just went I don't know I don't know what this is but I was starting to teach on grace and in the middle of the night I woke up and I heard a voice in the other end of the upstairs and it wasn't it wasn't a whisper and it wasn't soft it was just felt so far away and I heard it and it quoted Romans 8-2 to me A little bit, it flipped it, but said, you've been set free from the law of sin and death and been made alive to the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. I heard the voice, and I don't know if I was asleep or what I was, but I responded to it. I went, yes, I know that. Or I didn't even say yes, I said, I know that. And the voice said, no, you don't. I laid there, must have gone back to sleep. I heard the voice again and it repeated the same thing to me. And my response was, I understand that. And the voice said, no, you don't. And the second time I heard it, it wasn't louder, it was clearer. It was closer to me. And the third time, the voice became emphatic and explained it a little bit. He says, I'm telling you, You've been set free of the law, and it emphasized the word law, of the law of sin and death. Not sin and death, the law of sin and death. And you've been made, made alive the law of the spirit of life, and he emphasized life, in Christ Jesus. The voice didn't sound frustrated, but I was in my sleep time. And I went, I get it. He goes, no you don't. And when it said at that time it felt like it was right outside the bedroom door. Fourth time, same thing, only this time it felt like someone was sitting up in bed with me and I was, I later found myself sitting up, and said to me the same thing, not emphatically, just close, real close, close inside of me, and said the same thing, you've been set free from the law of sin and death and been made alive to the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus Lloyd who isn't the brightest bulb in the package but neither the stupidest <laughs> neither the dimmest went inside of myself I went I'm, I'm not answering this right <laughs> duh so I said one word said yes. And when I woke up, I still heard the voice. There was nobody else in the room with me. I looked at the clock, and the voice said, "You're healed." And I went, "Oh. I didn't connect my foot. I didn't connect anything." Now, you think you would get up and have a meeting and build a tent or tabernacle in the wilderness? After an experience like that, you know what I did? Fell right asleep. Got up the next morning uh, and went into the bathroom to grab 4 Ibuprofen because that's what I did every morning when I got up and had been doing it for a long, too long. Only when I put my foot down in the natural, I went, my foot doesn't hurt. My foot had hurt for years. And I went, and then remembered. And I went, oh my gosh, is that what they call a visitation? Did I have a visitation? Did I, you know, you know, through all those things? He said, and I remembered everything clearly. I was so excited. I went out in the hallway. and I did jumping jacks, not like, really, because my foot didn't hurt. And I ran up and down the stairs twice came down and talked to Brenda about it. And she said, wow, that was definitely a visitation. You're going to tell others. And I was kind of being, not snarky, but I can be a smart aleck. And I went, I think I better walk this out before I tell anybody and make sure it's real. You know, it's one day, one morning that I'm not having pain. And as I got through the morning, I had a whole bunch of appointments that day. One back to back to back to back. And I'm sure some of you have that. And I didn't have any alone time. Until four o'clock that afternoon, I had to pull into Costco to pick up coffee supplies for church. Actually, it's the 15th of February, and I throw the truck into park. and I went, Oh Lord, my foot hasn't worked. You know, through all those meetings all day long, I went, My foot doesn't hurt. Yeah, my foot doesn't hurt. I had an experience in God and this is glorious I have had a day with no pain and no painkillers so before I got out of, the co- of my truck I just threw up this prayer and said Lord I, I don't know if this was just for today that my foot didn't hurt and I don't understand all that that meant last night I'll study it and I want to know it but I also know these principles I don't want to be like the nine that walked away I don't know what else to say to you except thank you. My foot hasn't hurt. Thank you. If it means more than that, I'll learn it. But right now, my foot doesn't hurt. Thank you. I went to get out of the car and the Holy Spirit says, Happy birthday. I went, Happy birthday? My birthday is June 20th. It's February 15th. Except... God gave his life and came into me on February 15th, 1974, in a barracks room all by myself, just me and him. I had to come to Jesus meeting all alone in the truck, shouting, Hallelujah. He said, It wasn't just, you'd think it'd be, hey, so you must be healed. I wasn't thinking that at all. I went, he knows me. He knows my birthday. My real birthday. He knows everything about me. You know, and I, I started singing and shouting. and Little old ladies from Johnson County walking by with their purses. I'm sure, they were frightened uh, daylights because the truck was probably rocking. I did make it into Costco. But there was a greater learning for me that took place over the coming years God healed my walk there was a deeper meaning to it not only did he heal me in the natural realm but when I learned to start saying yes and not I know that I get that I understand that but instead taking the promises of God and saying yes and amen to them and agreeing, "You've made me this. I am the righteousness of Christ on the earth. This is what you hold to be true of me." And it healed my walk. It healed my having a walk worthy of my calling, and that it wasn't about me it was about the new covenant of life in Christ Jesus and that I was no longer bound to the law of sin and death. Does that mean sin has no consequences? That's not what it's saying. He set me from the eternal law of that when there's sin, there's death by Him becoming that sin and dying that death, not for me, as me. And that I was justified and raised to new life. That is something that we can practice. How do we practice righteousness? Say yes to what he did. Say yes to what he says about you, not what you say to him to try and get him to be okay with you. Saying yes to him what he did and that you are okay with him. Matter of fact, you're more than okay with him. You're now an eternal being and you can practice eternal life And it's not a series of rules about sin and death. It's about learning to live life and practice it. Have you sinned since then? Probably. Are you aware of when you sin? Yeah, usually. What do you do with that? I go to him and tell him that's not who I am. I did something that's not me and it's not him in me. And that I was operating outside of the boundaries of righteousness. And that I didn't like the way it affected me. Most of the time when I've done that, he'll ask me a couple of questions about it. Is there anybody else that you think it affected? Oh. Yeah, usually the people I'm closest to. Usually the people I'm closest to. Well, why don't you tell them about it? And tell them that you're sorry that you were not behaving like who I am in you. Changed it. I was practicing righteousness. I was clothing myself with righteousness. I was embracing the righteous work that Jesus did inside of me. Now here's the glorious good news. If I could do it, you can do it. If God made it accessible to one, as I read Romans 5, he made it accessible to all. Whoa. I mean, it's a woe. Learn to say yes to God. Quit telling him what you know and you don't know. That's lawful thinking. Learn to say yes to him every step of the way. Will he get rid of all my problems? Of course not. Life's a series of problems that we get to go through and resolve. And then you die. (laughs) But for us, the death is an exchange to step into that which we have learned to practice. You don't... Practice perfect, living perfectly, you practice righteousness. Oh, practice on, because that's the true meaning of knowing God. How many believers through the years, and me myself included in this, oh, I just wish I knew Him better. It sounds so noble, it sounds so right you know what it really is? It's the flesh. That's all it is. Is it bad? No, it's just the flesh. Saying yes is the work of faith in the Spirit. Those who come to God must believe that He is and that He's a rewarder. My my reward was hearing happy birthday. I always believed that God knew everything about me, but when He did that, Listen, as other people told me that I was off kilter with all of this, and that I was I don't care what they say, (laughs) I live in life, and the life I now live, I live abundantly in God. And I see me the way He sees me. And it makes me feel so good, so wonderful, so special so caressed, so free. So I invite you this morning to receive this prayer. Jesus, you have set us free from the law of sin and death. You have made us to come alive to the law of the Spirit of life. I pray for the ongoing understanding of this to penetrate each of our hearts, that your voice would come That your voice would be a delight. That we wouldn't feel repulsed by ourselves. But we would feel accepted in our beloved Savior. Help us in this season to practice righteousness. To be your Christmas light. To shine brightly over who you are. To bring understanding in our life. Your desire is to bring understanding. Our response is yes Lord bring it. Open the eyes of my understanding Lord. Let me experience your love without boundary. Without limit. Not limited by time or understanding. But receiving every promise that you bring. So this morning, Lord, I say this to you over Lloyd Rendell's. Yes. I want to invite each of you to do that over your own name and say yes to him. What better Christmas gift could he receive? What better way to say to him happy birthday than you saying Yes. Yes. Yes, Jesus. Come in and rule my heart with your love and grace. I receive all you've done. Yes, Jesus. Yes, my God. Yes, Lord. Yes. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. Lord, make his face to shine upon you, and be gracious unto you. Lord, lift up his countenance upon you, and give you peace in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.